The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's up, you guys? Welcome to the December 19th edition of the Rotor World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Gallagher, going, going over some season-long fantasy hoops. Uh, just had some recent news that we're going to talk about. And with me to do so is Ryan Kanas. What's up, man? Uh, not much. Just watching the sunset here in Maine uh, <laughs> as we approach the winter solstice. The days are incredibly short. Nice. Hey, old, what, December 22nd, winter solstice, if I, if I recall, right? 21st this year, I believe. Oh, yeah. There you go. All right. I'm not, I'm not on my uh, my P's and Q's for winter uh, solstice. Well, I can't wait for the days to get longer. It's probably not <laughs> a big deal for you in Arizona. Yeah, but. exactly. I prefer the shorter days. I'm actually enjoying the sun <laughs> going go. down at like 5. Um, yeah, no AC. I'm just chilling, sitting in my house. It's uh, very nice. I think 69 degrees right now. So pretty cool. <laughs> All right. So let's get to the recent news here that just hit. Um, just before we're recording this, and it's Blake Griffin is having, quote, a routine, I don't know how routine procedure is routine, but uh, that's, that's what they're calling it. So he's out three to six weeks with a knee injury. We've seen him kind of miss time uh, before. He had the rest game against the Nets, another one. So uh, what are our thoughts here? I mean, we saw, De- I, th- I think kind of the bigger takeaway besides like pickups and stuff is, DeAndre Jordan's really good without Blake. Like, we saw him really come on strong last year when Blake was out. Like, I think that's kind of the bigger takeaway on this. Um, they're going to really mix and match. We've seen Austin Rivers come kind of improve, uh, not so much defensively, which we'll get into. So, I guess besides DeAndre, or if you want to put some input on that, what's your takeaway from Blake missing so much time? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think DeAndre gets a few more boards maybe with Blake not in there, but he's not the kind of guy you throw the ball in the post and let him go to work. So I don't think offensively he gets a huge boost here. Um, and in terms of, you know, I got a lot of questions in today's chat about should I pick up Murray Spates? And, uh, you know, if you have a dead spot in your roster, sure, it can't hurt. Uh, his, his permanent production's been pretty solid. He's been almost a 14-team guy uh, in under 20 minutes a game recently. So I think he's going to be a winner, and I think he's he's worth a look. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll dust off Brandon Bass. I think Paul Paul Pierce is basically dead weight at this point. Um, I believe that last season, you know, past couple of years, we've seen them turn to Wes Johnson a little bit when Blake was out. So there's, there's a lot of different ways Doc could go. He could just run small. Um, but I, I don't see any huge winners. I think Spates probably gains the most. A um, few more, you know, like CP3 and Reddick are going to have to take a couple more shots, but nothing too drastic. I think it's just going to filter down across the lineup. Yep. Uh, you mentioned Spates. I, I'm probably not as bullish. Like, yes, I get that he's killer per minute. Uh, he is Mo Buckets after all. Uh, but I don't know if he's going to play a lot of power forward. He's only played five minutes next to DeAndre Jordan. You look at the other guys who played next to DJ. 16 minutes for Bass. Scrolling up here, 37 for Paul Pierce. Wes Johnson's played 29. Um, and then besides the other forwards, that's pretty much it. And then obviously the starters. So like it's going to be kind of a mash unit, very much dependent on who they're facing. So kind of like the way I think of like Brad Stevens, where like when he was at, when he didn't have Horford, 
he would kind of just go small a lot against the smaller teams and go big against the bigger teams. So as far as like season long goes, I'm not really itching to pick anybody up. Um, but yeah, like you said, I would like Spates has been putting up numbers. So like even if he gets a call it a 10 percent boost, hypothetically, like that's enough to give him consideration. So uh, and then yeah, like Blake's Blake's a pretty highly used player, especially on really in the offense. So. That's like like DFS for the next like week or so before its price comes up. Like I love DeAndre Jordan. Uh, if you're listening to this for DFS, but any other things you want to add on that? And like you said, I think Wes Johnson's actually going to be kind of a sneaky guy for deep leagues to pick up minutes. Obviously, he's not a good per minute guy. David Kahn's boy. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we pretty much covered. Yeah, who might gain with him out? Uh, to Blake's owners, I'd say just hold on to him. Uh, it's yep, yep. Three, three to six weeks. It's arthroscopic surgery. Um, he's bounced back pretty quickly after injuries, and um, so I, I think you probably see him on the earlier side of that timetable. Yeah, this is what we were concerned with when we talked about drafting Blake, who was coming up, um, getting the line more, shooting better from the line, but yeah. we were still worried about injuries, and here we are. So, uh, one thing just kind of non-fantasy I want to talk about is Tim Duncan, and I thought it was one of the coolest retirement speeches or uh, jersey retiring thing. Like, I was just, ah, it was just so beautiful, man. It was, Pop was hilarious. Uh, obviously, Mono was really funny. Tony Parker killed it. Uh, I don't know, I just wanted to get your thoughts on Tim Duncan on, uh, like, and he had that, he said he won, like, bets because he talked for more than 30 seconds, and... It was just great. So, uh, just what are your thoughts on like Tim Duncan as far as like I guess his legacy and and all that? Like even for fantasy, he was he was awesome. Like about ten years ago. Yeah, well, longer than that. He was <laughs> he was awesome. We we kept uh, <laughs> predicting his decline, and year after year after year, he just made us look like fools. <laughs> so I respect him for that. Uh, he's also yeah. I mean, he was just incredible. Um, we've talked about him before. His demeanor, his leadership, his uh, everything you heard last night. And unfortunately, I only got to catch snippets of it because there was such a tightly packed schedule, and I was recapping games yeah. that during the the live ceremony, I couldn't uh, give it my full attention. So I'm gonna go back and watch that with my wife later tonight. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's just incredible. And I uh, recently retweeted something from a colleague of ours, Tommy Beer. Um, he said that only three players in NBA history have had at least 25,000 points, 15,000 boards, and 4,000 assists, and they are Wilt, Kareem, and no one other than Tim Duncan. Yeah, he is. He's the man. Like it's. Like, the same thing goes for Jordan. I, I grew up on the East Coast, so I, I went to a lot of Knicks games, uh, a lot of Nets games. I was a Nets fan, and, like, I didn't really appreciate Jordan until he was gone. It's kind of the same feeling, man. And, like, it's gonna, it's just the way it is, man. These guys are just so awesome. Like, Tim Duncan's just such a unique guy. And, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't get the credit he deserves, I don't think. Fortunately, I think I did appreciate him. I watched him beat up on my uh, then hometown New Jersey Nets in the finals uh, about a decade ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, you know, I got to see it firsthand then, and yeah, he's he's just been incredible to watch. Yeah, he's so good, and they're feeling it too, man. I mean, their their low post defense is not nearly as good. Uh, Dwayne Dedman, actually, we should probably talk about him as a pickup. He's been look, he's been looking great. He's been awesome. I think he uh, among players who have appeared in at least ten games. I want to say he has. The uh, best individual defense players against him are shooting something like twelve or fourteen percent worse than their typical shooting percentage this year, which is tops in the league. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, he's been great. Like he needs to play more for sure, and he's gonna play more. So I think he's 
um, like on the nights when there's not like a clear value play. Like I liked him last night for DFS, but with the process going, uh, which we'll talk about shortly, like it's it's tough not to play and beat for under eight thousand right now. Uh, okay, so let's talk about some other stuff too. Uh, one guy who I always pimp, I think I, every pod I talk about Josh Richardson, and he's really letting me down right now. Uh, he's not shooting the ball well this month. He's only eighteen percent from three uh, since he's returned from injury. Uh, 39.6% from uh, overall. Uh, He's just been bad. So what are we doing with Jay Rich? Uh, Are we still stashing? Are we ready to jump ship? Or or what are our thoughts here? 35 minutes on Sunday. I'm... I'm, uh, The the minutes are there. They've been there all year. He's averaging 28.6 per game. Um, But the production just isn't. I I loathe inefficient players, and he's been exactly that this year. Uh, So earlier today... you know, someone was asking, should I hold on to him? Should I do this, do that? And uh, I'm tired of beating my head against the wall here, so I'm fine cutting him. Uh, If there's a more productive player, you want to just jump on them. The Heat have so many options in that backcourt wingman rotation that it's just tough to see Jay Rich, even as they continue to develop young guys. I don't see him getting a ton more minutes, and I I don't see his efficiency improving all that much. So um, although I think he's an okay hold, uh, I'm fine cutting him as well. Yeah, it depends on who you're cutting him for. Maybe we could use him as like a measuring stick as we go through this. Man, I, I can't do it. Like He was so good after the break, 53% from three. Uh, the minutes are still there. He's just playing terribly. And we go through this all the time when these young shooting guards just go through these really bad droughts. And this is another one. So uh, I'm still holding him. And I think you could probably get him on the super cheap if you want in like a deeper league. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like He's... He's he's getting minutes. They're con- they they want to play him. He's playing three positions. Like all all that stuff that I like is there. Like you said, he's just not playing well. So for a guy who's on the borderline, like I don't hate cutting him. But like if if you're in a league where if you know you cut him, someone's gonna pick him up, I would probably hold him. But if it's you're cutting him and there's a fifty fifty shot, he's still on the wire when he gets hot again. Then yeah, like yeah. you said, go ahead and make a move. All right. Um, one thing like we kind of hinted at was we got to talk some process. Uh, some Joel Embiid who went freaking crazy last night, and man, I love like I love watching bad teams. I don't know what's wrong with me, but like last night's Brooklyn versus 76ers game, I, I loved it. It was so good. Um, Joel Embiid 33 points on 12 of 17 shooting, two threes, seven or eight from the line, ten boards, three blocks, two steals. Oh, he was just ridiculous, man. I love that guy. So we saw no one's Noel's out of the rotation right now, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and then J- uh, Jaleel Okafor playing a little bit. I want to call it like a dozen minutes next to the process as well. So what other things are, are we taking away besides Joel Embiid is like awesome? Uh, well, first of all, that uh, I, I wish I had looked up some historical, um, you know, sort of comparisons for what he's doing as a rookie. It's just unbelievable. Uh, but I, I think one thing to take away is that the Sixers are serious about playing Dario Saric at mm. power forward. He's struggled at small forward. He said as much, especially defensively. Um, so I think this move, just locking in Embiid and Okafor at center, opens up power forward minutes. So you've got Ilyasova, who's still kind of dominating the position, uh, but then Saric can at least get more minutes there than if, if one of the Sixers' three centers were forced to play the four position, um, as they have been doing with Embiid to a large extent. 
But I think, yeah, they're just trying to open up more more minutes at the four for Sarge, and I think that's a good thing going forward. Um, especially, you know, it's going to be tough when Ben Simmons come back and they want to play him at point power forward. So I don't know how it's all going to shake out, but, I, yeah, I think it's a, a good thing for Sarge long-term, especially if you're stashing him in a deeper league. Yeah, that's my boy in my 30, man. Um, Dario's been a little disappointing. So, yeah, like you said, they want to play him at the three and the four. Like you said, he said he had a he openly admitted he had a really tough time guarding DeMar DeRozan on the perimeter. Uh, and then Brett Brown said he wants to play him on the perimeter as well. So they're going to use him in the stretch four role that has kind of become very popular these days. So, yeah, that's a, a big takeaway for sure. Uh, but we saw Ilya Silva go off last night. 22 points. He looked great. Uh, big win. Uh, like you and I talked about yesterday, what was it, an 82-game stretch where they had uh, a fourth-quarter comeback. Like, it's ridiculous, man, for, for how bad that team is closing. But, yeah. yeah, like, and also we saw Rocco play well. Like, I think that's kind of another takeaway is Covington and Embiid and Sergio plays better with Embiid as well. Like, man, this guy this guy is incredible. So, um, Hollis Thompson came back. Um, but, yeah, this there's a... Um, so what's up with Noel, I guess? we got to talk about him super quick. So what, what do you do? Like, if you have him, like, you obviously have to hope for a trade, but how much slack do you mm-hmm. give him right now? I'd be 100% trying to just trade him for whatever I could get. Yeah. Um, so he's kind because, of... What, who, because, I mean, he dug his own grave before the season, when, but when he complained about the Sixers' yep. moves and the fact that they had three centers, um, he had a reportedly discretionary or optional, I forget the phrase, but the surgery on his knee apparently wasn't necessary uh, or, or mandatory. Um, he didn't stay around the team that much during his rehab, which got some flack from Coach Brett Brown. Uh, and he's generally just been whiny since he returned. <laughs> and uh, Adrian Wojnarowski pointed all that stuff out in a recent report and basically said that teams are, are doing their due diligence on Noel and they, they don't like what they see. So how much a team is going to give up for him, uh, what sort of role he would find when, he, you know, when and if he lands with a new team, we just don't know. So there's so many question marks. Um, the fact that he's completely just giving you goose eggs right now as not even part of the rotation, I think you just have to try to trade him and get anything you can back. So would you rather have Richardson or Noel? I think I would go with Richardson. He's an active player with a decent <laughs> rest of season upside. And as much as, I mean, in, in previous years I've been all about Noel. I love his, his defensive stats are huge. Uh, but yeah, this situation is just a complete mess. Yeah, I'm easily Richardson. Like I would take, I'd rather have like Dario. Like I don't see this ending well at all. Like it's gonna be an ongoing thing. You're gonna pretty much have to, because his value is just way too low. So unless until a team has an injury or the deadline approaches in freaking February, like mm-hmm. it's gonna be so brutal. Like that's a tough one to take. So yeah, like you said, I don't even like. Send out some flyers, like, if you have them, like, all right, I'll take whatever you got. And if someone's like, nope, 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 like, no one wants to give you anything, just straight cut him. Like, he's, it's going yeah. to be way too long. I'd start with Robin Lopez and go down from there. Yeah, oh, I would take Robin Lopez in a heartbeat. I, like, I'm trying to think who I wouldn't give up, man. Like, I'd rather have, like, Tyson Chandler, who I don't Would you have... rather have Nurkic or... Oh, right that's now. a good one. Um, I guess Noel, <laughs> but like I'd rather have like Kelly Oubre. Like I, I like, I'd take anybody yeah. over those guys. Like I'd rather have like Isaiah Whitehead. Like like anybody. 
<laughs> like I, I, I almost would rather have a zero. Like I almost have a, rather have an empty roster spot. Yeah, I mean they're both some... hurting you. There's no, <laughs> no value to begin there. Yeah, we should talk about the Nuggets in a little bit. I guess we'll, we'll probably get to that at some point. Um, okay, so one other thing. Uh, now let's just get to buy low, sell high. Uh, we do this every week. Our favorite buy low, our favorite sell high player. I'll let you go first on a buy low player. Uh, I'm going with a sort of deep cut almost here. Nice. Uh, I'm going to take Kent Bazemore. Ooh, I like it. Uh, he's, he's healthy again. He's going to start tonight. Um, but he's been absolutely dreadful shooting the ball this season, which has just trashed his value. So, you know, he's he's floating on the waiver wire in most leagues. You can just go get him. Um, but I, I think that the field goal percentage has to come up. Uh, he's a much better shooter than what we've seen this year. And once it does, that won't be an anchor, and he's a mid-round value. So, uh, yeah, I like just grabbing him off the wire or, or trading the last guy on your roster to get him. Yeah, uh, Noel for Bazemore all day. Um, but, yeah, like you said, he's he's been bad. Uh, 37% from the field, so I love that. Uh, guy who had a breakout season last year, man. Uh, him and Marvin Williams have very kind of similar career paths right now. Like, they kind of had a big season last year after kind of just floundering a little bit, and they're coming on. And then they both had big games in their last game. So, like you said, I like both those guys to kind of heat up. Uh, I went with the other end of the spectrum. I went with a guy who is suddenly red hot, and he isn't as red hot as he appears to be on the stat sheet because of foul trouble. And that's my boy, uh, Nikola Jokic, man. Ah, uh, only played mm. 19 and a half minutes, like... Get him now, right now. Like he's gonna go off. If it wasn't for foul trouble, you would be like so pumped. To get, like you would spend up hard. And I want to say about like three weeks ago, we were like, oh, let's hope he's like a top sixty kind of a guy. No, <laughs> like I'm like I'm I'm on it again. I, I'm I'm the same thing we went through in the off season. Like I'm feeling it again, man. Like give me give me Jokic. Give me Jokic. Is like I think he can be a top thirty guy. Um, he looks so <laughs> yeah. good, man. I'm 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 smitten. So uh, uh, I like Jokic as a, I'm, I'm all in on Jokic again. I, I guess I'm a pickle like that. No, I love that. I um, I mean, you and I were both, we, we were certainly down on him after his slow start, but yeah. we were just encouraging owners to be patient. This is not the time to cut him or trade him for nothing when he's slow for the first couple weeks of the season. There was a lot of hand-wringing and questions about cutting him, and it's like, no, over the past six games, he's been a top 20 value in, in under 24 minutes a game. The dude's insane. So, yeah. yeah, I'm all for that. If you can still steal him for anything, you know, worse than a top 40 value, please do it. Yeah, and, like, he's playing 15 minutes in the first half. If not for foul trouble, like, we would be going crazy over this guy. We'd be seeing, like, 20 and 10 and 7 and, like, great efficiency. He's shooting 69% from the field this month. Like, ah, he's just so good. <laughs> All right, so I'll go first in a sell high. It's a guy who's just been really, really good. Um, and it's, I guess I can tie it into two guys for the same team uh, who we just talked about. is uh, Dennis Schroeder's a sell high to me. Uh, he, he is just fuego right now. He had a kind of a down game against the, uh, the Hornets, but he's shooting the ball really well, 53% from the field. That's not Dennis Schroeder. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is a 42-43% guy. He's shooting 1.53, making 1.53s, uh, eight assists this month, so he's as high as he can get, um, and you can sling him pretty high. Like actually, tr- trading Schroeder for Jokic makes sense, and I think I, I would do that in a heartbeat on my end. 
But I think the Jokic owner would be like, oh, cool, Dennis Schroeder, like, he's playing really well. Like, he's not that good. So um, Schroeder's my sell high. So thoughts on that and then your guy. I mean, that's terrific, especially in non-cat where Schroeder's turnovers just destroy you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he's playing way over his head. He's shooting 55% in the past five games, uh, the same percentage from downtown. He's... Yeah, that's not going to last. Um, but I thought for sure when you said that someone who was who was on fire over the past few games, yep. I thought you were going to say Bradley Beal. Oh, wow. Okay. Who was my sell high. Oh, wow. Um, he's just playing out of his mind right now. And part of it is just natural progression. His field goal percentage has increased every year since his rookie season in 2012-13. Um, he's had a career-high 3.5 assists. But that's almost part of the downside. The assists, you know, 3.5 still isn't that great. And he's adding 2.9 rebounds, uh, one steal, and 0.3 blocks. So he's just so susceptible to offensive slumps. And I think I think he's just scorching hot right now. And you could probably trade him for, you know, an early round value. Uh, I say do it. I don't think that, that he's going to keep scoring at this incredible pace. I think he's still a great player. He's still going to at least return mid-round value with upside. But he's not going to do what he's been doing the past few weeks. I actually disagree with you a little bit on that one. I ah, Man, I'm smitten on Bradley Beal hard. Um, I'll mention, too, I did some research on tibia and fibula stress fractures. And fibula, like, the Bradley Beal thing is such a freak thing because it only bears, I think, what, like 17% or something like that. Or actually, maybe single digits. Of like the weight bearing, most of your weight bearing is on your tibia, the the base of your shin bone. Like I'm not buying that. Like I'm buying Beal, man. Like I think he's gonna be a legit like top 35, top 40 guy. So like if I sell high, I'd want a lot for him. Like he is, he's not gonna be like to your point. Like he's coming off a 41 point game. So like yeah, sell high for sure. But I'm I'm pretty sold on Beal, man. I think he's gonna be pretty awesome this season. Nice, yeah, and uh, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying sell him for anything you can right, right, right. So <laughs> I, just about, think, I just think that he's cresting right now, and that he's going, you know, the, the wave will uh, slow down as the season progresses. Yeah, so I'll add, I would take Jokic over Beal, and I'm sure you would too. Uh, I would, yeah. Yeah, so, and then you would take both over Schroeder. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so maybe we could, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of throw that in there. As we get to these questions. And then one guy I kind of hinted at, too, was Dwight Howard is a sell high. Like, he's been really good on the glass lately. What does he have, like, 16 boards in his last, like, six or seven games? He's been killer. Um, but, yeah, so we, we know the deal with him. He'll probably get hurt eventually. All right, so let's get to the questions here. We got Alan Abad asking, what's our take on Billy Hernan Gomez? And who I've, I've suddenly started calling Kyle O'Quinn. Kyle Yo-Yo Quinn, because he's just up and down so much. Um, so what's your thoughts on Billy? Uh, Knicks are playing pretty well, so they're probably not going to develop their young players. Um, so, I mean, are you aggressively wanting to add him in, like, a 16-team league? Or what are our thoughts on, on that center spot? Uh, I'd grab him in 16-team, sure. Three of the past four games, he's had double-digit rebounds. He's, he's looking good. Uh, it helps that Joachim Noah has been terrible. Uh, he's he's literally just giving the Knicks nothing as their starting center. So I think uh, he's forcing the coach's hand to play guys like Kyle Quinn and Hernan Gomez. Um, so it's going to be a hot hand situation, which is the reason I'm not super keen on any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, O'Quinn's always been awesome on a permanent basis, and it's it's nice to see him get hot. But we've seen this show before, and it usually ends with the curtains closing early. <laughs> so, yeah, I just... Um, 
you know, I'm fine. Yeah, in a deep league, I'm fine grabbing, honestly, either O'Quinn or Hernan Gomez. I think they're both going to kind of trade off good games. Um, at the moment, I'd lean toward Willie, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, you said it with the yo-yo. Uh, <laughs> the, you know, they're just up and down, and anything's possible. The only thing I can say definitely is you don't want Joachim Noah on your team. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, of, of the three that we just talked about, like, I would take... Billy Hernan Gomez, for sure. Young player, up and coming, young. Like, he's got got some pretty good per-minute numbers. Um, so if they do let him go, there's a lot to like there. Whereas they're not going to let Kyle O'Quinn go. And they're not going to let Joakim Noah go. Like, this is the way it is. So upside, for sure, give me Billy. But, like, I'm not bending over. Like, all these guys we talked about, like, Baysmore. Uh, I would take... Actually, this is interesting. Um, would you rather have Billy Hernan Gomez or Noel? Yeah, uh, probably Hernan Gomez. Yeah. He's producing and, you know, on yeah. the court. Yeah, the same. Like, um, because I think the likelihood of Noel getting hurt, or, I'm sorry, uh, Noah getting hurt is higher than the likelihood of Noel getting traded. So I think I think that's kind of the, the gist on that. Are you with me on that thought? Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, okay, cool. So let's move on. Uh, we got Mantan Yene, sorry if I mispronounced. Uh, he's asking about dropping Greg Monroe, who's been somewhat good lately. Um, very kind of, I don't want to compare him to Jokic, but he's been pretty productive in his, I guess, minimal minutes uh, as the backup center. So, I, in my opinion, if you have him now, you should still have him. He's coming off a really good game. He's put up value lately. I mean, you look at his last five uh, 10.4 points, 6.4 boards, 3.2 assists is impressive. Uh, 1.0 steals. He's always been pretty solid in steals as a big man. Uh, 1.1 in his career. 1.3 in the season uh, in just 19 minutes. So he's always been adept in that area. So if you have him now, you should have him for sure. He's shooting the ball really well from the line. Uh, 85.2% from there. So that's that's value. Like you should you should not be dropping him in a row, man. Like over all these. Like I would take him over Bazemore. I would take him over pretty much all these kind of border like Noel, obviously Billy, obviously. Like Monroe, solid. Uh, I I sold him short by about a month ago. He looked pretty good. Uh, I completely agree. If and when you say a month ago, you might have been talking about that spell where he yeah. just straight fell out of the rotation. DMP, yeah. Uh, and if you somehow kept him through that that period, <laughs> clearly don't drop him now. He's still posting late round value, despite as you mentioned playing twenty one minutes per game over his past seven games. Um, so, no, I think he's great. And if the uh, fabled trade that we always talk about ever actually comes to fruition, so much the better. He's just going to, you know, have that many more minutes, we would assume, on whichever team gives up value for him. Um, so, no, I think he's fine. And even if he sticks in this limited minute role behind John Henson at center, it's good enough for value. Uh, you can at least try to wait for a hot stretch and trade him or just, you know, rat him out for what he is right now. For sure. uh, but cutting him unless there's someone really good on the wire I just don't see it yeah well to keep that in mind for these other questions here uh so Dolph Skipball is asking which disappointing player would you stick with uh Josh Richardson or Aaron Gordon like you got you know me like I obviously I love Jay Rich and I'm not really buying this recent Aaron Gordon resurgence uh he had Austin Rivers on him uh, J.J. Redick on him, Jamal Crawford on him, Chris Paul was on him for a while in his big 33-point game, so I'm not buying that. Um, that I love Richardson. Like I'll, I'm going down with the ship on him. Yeah, it's been a precipitous decline for Gordon since that huge game. <laughs> uh, 
And they're both just, like I said, I don't like inefficient guys in nine cat and my default mindset is nine cat. So I should make that clear. Um, but yeah, of the two, I would keep, uh, Jay rich. I think rest of season, he's got a brighter outlook. The heat are just going to continue to develop young guys. Um, but I'm okay cutting either of them. Yep. All right. So we'll move on. Um, Matt's asking our thoughts on Cameron Payne, uh, which is interesting because Victor Oladipo is banged up. Uh, he's he's not going to play. He's still out, it looks like. So we'll see what happens with him there. But they've actually played Samaje Christian a little bit. And we saw the Payne slash Westbrook backcourt. So that's something to keep in mind. But like he's doing on-court work now, but I really don't care. Like Westbrook with his 40 usage rate and the amount of time he just dominates the basketball, I just really don't see a role for him. So unless you're stashing in a weekly league where you can just basically like take a zero... Um, I'm really not interested in stashing him, but progress is, is good. Yeah, it's nice to see him back on the court, but for fantasy purposes, I think this is almost irrelevant for yeah. this season. Uh, unless you own Westbrook in a deep league and you want to handcuff him, maybe consider stashing pain, but otherwise I'd just ignore him. Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be that good. So, like, we'll see a lot more go through Oladipo and all that. Like, he won't be... Like, if Westbrook gets hurt, you're not... You don't have a home run on your hands. Yeah, like a double. Like he should be probably like top eighty, something like that. Is that like where do you see what do you see Payne's peak? I guess is a good question. If if Westbrook is out and Payne yeah. is stuck, yeah, I'd say top eighty is yeah. generous. Okay, yeah, exactly. All right, so we'll move on. Uh, Ace Oberg is asking uh, with Favors gaining more minutes, does that concern you on Gobert, who's been ridiculous lately? So, what are your thoughts on Gobert? Are you buying this hot stretch he's had? And I guess, how do you think favors affects him? Uh, Gobert is the man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was I was waiting for the offense to come. I I was disappointed when the season started because Gobert had been talking about how he's working on expanding his offense and he just wasn't getting that many looks. Um, but yeah, in recent weeks, man, the Jazz have been finding him more and he's just dominating opposing centers. We saw what he did to Marcus Saul last night. He held him to three of sixteen shooting while himself shooting nine of nine from the field. I, I think uh, it was just ridiculous. That it was night and day. Um, so yeah, he's he unless you're getting a complete stud of the cat variety, I would just roll with Gobert right now. Yeah. Uh, the the return of favors was part of this question. I don't see that being a huge impact. I think yeah, he'll probably take a couple boards, um, not even like a per game average, just you know, here and there, a uh, few more touches from Gobert and guys like Hayward. But I don't see it having any sort of drastic effect. So I think Gobert is perfectly safe. Yeah, for sure. Um, 100%. You look at his on-court, off-court. He has a higher usage rate with favors. Has a higher O-board and D-board. I'm sorry. He has a higher overall rebounding percentage with favors. Uh, like It's just their better net rating. Like only thing that's down is his efficiency, which is fine. Like that's like You would think that Derek Favors would help his efficiency. So, yeah, like the numbers say Gobert's solid. Um, so, roll with him for sure. Um, like Steve said in our last pod, we were a year early uh, on Rudy is for the breakout. Like, he's legit. Like, if we were dropped, like, we were talking about him as like 15, 16, 17 last year. And, like, that's probably where I would take him right now. Like, if we were drafting today, I'm sold, man. You? Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. Regret not taking him earlier than I did yeah. in the few leagues I got him. Yeah, I stole him in like round four and a few. Like I love that guy. 
Uh, okay, so uh, Kevin's asking our thoughts on Kyle Quinn, which we've already talked about, and Ubre or Nikola Mirotic and Nurkic. Man, talk about the the garbage can right there. Uh, we'll just break down. We talked about O'Quinn. We both really aren't buying. Uh, Ubre is the most interesting guy to me. Uh, he has a concussion right now, so like I. Yes, I would take the Ubre side and O'Quinn and see what happens over Meritage, who is dead. He is just useless in the second unit. Uh, and then Nurkic, we talked about. He's the third center. Like, you only play one center. You don't play two guards or two forwards. So being the third center is bad. Uh, we've seen Ken Freed really come into his own into that backup center role. So, um, yeah, he's only played single-digit minutes in the last two with this new rotation. So, yeah, Meritage and Nurk are useless right now so i would take uber by himself uh yeah if it's like a trip if these are two pairs i guess i, I would definitely yeah. take O'Quinn and uber or just uh, thoughts I'm, on, I'm not, on those guys i'm not quite as down on Miritich as you are he's he's been terrible this season and i don't think he's a great pickup but in fairness to him over the over his past five games uh he's he's been pretty good he's shooting 44 percent from the field 83 percent from the line uh nine points one 1.2 threes almost six boards um, 1.2 steals and 0.8 blocks. So he's doing that kind of sneaky roto value thing that a lot of guys tend to do. Um, I still don't. I, I might cut O'Quinn for him if you're just frustrated and and don't need a center at the moment. But I I wouldn't cut Ubre and Nurkic. Forget it. I'm not going there. Yeah, I'm. I I just don't see it for Miritich, man. Like he's just he's so inconsistent. But, but like you said, he's very roto friendly when he's on for sure. So. Like, 20-team? Okay, maybe. Uh, okay, so Benjamin Smith asking, is Spates worth an ad, which we talked about, over Marquise Chris or Mr. DFS, Dorian Finney-Smith? Um, who do you think has the better rest of the season value between Chris and Finney-Smith? I'll go first on that one. Uh, I think Dirk on the comeback trail, saying he's an early Christmas gift, is going to really hurt Finney-Smith. We've seen Harrison Barnes play almost straight four lately, so that would really hurt him a lot. Um, and I like Chris. They talk about, they call him like their Draymond Green. They're clearly trying to play this guy. So as bad as he is, um, he's going to take a hit on field goal percentage for a big man, which is bad. You really, you don't want to see your big man pull you down. But he can block, he can board, uh, he can shoot threes a little bit. So when he's on, he's going to be really good. And they want to play him. Like uh, Jared, told, Jared Dudley's comments like a month and a half ago or so, about um, speeding up the process or what have you for these younger guys suggests Chris is going to be pretty valuable down the line with uh, the hit on percentages, though. Uh, yeah, and Chris has looked more comfortable recently, uh, for, fortunately, because he was a non-entity when he first went into the starting lineup. But he looks better on the court these days. His minutes have really spiked over the past couple games. Um so yeah, I like him. I also would probably keep DFS over Spates, mm. but it, uh, I, it, that's kind of a toss-up. I don't know. If Spates will gain many minutes with Blake out, who knows. Um, but at the moment, I'd probably roll with DFS as at least providing value, and we, we're not sure when Dirk is coming back. Uh, rest of season, I'd take either of them over Spates, obviously, mm. and I'm with you. I, I like Chris more than Finney Smith. Yep, totally agree. All right, so Andy's asking, drop Tyreek Evans for J.J. Barea. I'm going to make it short and sweet and say yes. Uh, I am firmly on the anti-Tyreek bandwagon. Uh, he's he's going to be so limited for so long, I don't want to deal with it. Like I'd rather have Barea, who's on the comeback trail. 
Um, yep, Borea was incredible and healthy. I have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> okay, cool. All right, so Colin's asking whose fortunes are better to improve, which is kind of tying into what we said, uh, between Miritich and Nurkic. Uh, I'll go first on that one. I guess Miritich, like we talked about, his ceiling is a lot higher. When he's on, he's like a top He's like a top 50 guy when he's on, but when he's off, he's off the court. So, um, But then Nurkic, who has been... Like, overall, he's a bad free-throw shooter, so his ceiling's really capped with that. Yeah, especially for roto value. You almost have to default to Miritich here. Um, yeah. Nurkic was given all the opportunity in the world to start the season. He started out hot and then just faded, lost confidence. His inefficiency caught up with him. High turnovers, bad percentages, you name it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Miritich. For sure. You're uh, of the, the roto world crew. You're the, the lowest on Nurk. I think I'm, like, second I- the list. I think I have been since uh, <laughs> forever. Yeah, <laughs> that's good though. You're you're the man. He's been he's been awful. Uh, all right, so uh, Nick Hall is asking a good question. So, what are our thoughts on TJ Warren, and will he return to the player he was before? I'm gonna say no. Uh, as good as he was, like he's not that valuable. I mean, look look at a guy who has a 6.9 rebound percentage this season. Uh, he doesn't really shoot the three that well. He has a really ugly shot. He's been hot from three. Doesn't really do assists. He's just so scoring dependent. Um, so twenty-two point two usage rate. Like I just, I just can't do it. Like I, I, I like him as a pickup for sure. But like the guy that he was in the first month of the season, he's not that guy at all. Like he was a clear sell high to me. Yeah, I'm gonna give a hard no to the to the will he reach those lofty early season levels. Um, yeah. No, you. I, the what did you say? Six point nine percent rebound rate. Yeah, overall seven point eight on defensive. <laughs> seven point eight defensive rebounding rate. Like, yeah, that's that horrible. Horrible. <laughs> so for a small forward, I mean, yeah, that's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> and I, I think he kind of took a lot of people by surprise, including opposing teams early this season. And I think he's going to be highlighted on scouting reports. He's going to be facing tougher perimeter defenders and. There's just no way he's going to reach that the level of offensive efficiency that he had, which is going to, you know, really eat into his value. Yeah, and actually, Patrick Beverly doubles that defensive rebounding rate at fourteen point three, so um, and six point nine offensive, by the way. So his offensive rebounding rate, which is obviously harder to do. Um, uh, just quickly on Pat Bev, I want to talk about Rockets actually, which we didn't really get to do. What are your thoughts on this, by the way? I looked up a stat. They have more threes in the last two games than the Bulls have in the last ten games. <laughs> Just quick impressions on what the Rockets are doing right now. Do you want to throw that in there? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's a product of both personnel, team style, um, the, the coaching strategies. That's everything. The, the, the Rockets are built to shoot threes. The Bulls... As we saw, as soon as they got Dwayne Wade, and we were, just, you look at their team and you say, where are they going to shoot threes from? And they started out the year doing pretty well with Wade going way above his yeah. career averages. But sure enough, they've returned to the mean, which is always the case and key for fantasy purposes. Um, but yeah, the, the Rockets are really good. Like they're they're shocking me how effectively they're playing and beating opponents consistently, uh, forcing them to play their style of game. 
Uh, Beverly's thriving. He's averaging a career-high 4.8 assists, which is key for, because for him, the, the knock was always that he was a point guard who couldn't give you assists, which hurts, obviously. Um, but he's adding one and a half threes, almost six boards, which goes to your point about his rebound percentage. Uh, one and a half steals. So he's been awesome. He's been like a mid-round value since he came back and doesn't look like he had any knee problems. Uh, Harden's nasty. He's number one in eight cat with turnovers included. Um, Capella's good in the limited minutes. We could talk about him for half an hour if we yeah, wanted right. to. Uh, Ariza's another, like, you know, quietly posting top 30 value. He's just an underappreciated stud. Uh, Eric Gordon's playing his best ball since he was a clipper, I would say. Mm. They're Better. just, yeah, they're, they're firing on all cylinders. Yeah. They have four top 10 players in three pointers. Four out of 10. Wow. Yeah. Like Ryan yeah, Anderson sitting there at number 10. It's just crazy how many threes they shoot, man. Uh, such a fun brand of basketball. All right, so we'll get back to these questions. Gilbert's asking, um, the Warriors have a good fantasy playoff schedule. So what are our thoughts on their starters? We've seen Kerr. We've seen Bob Myers. We've seen assistants. We've seen Draymond. All these guys talk about incoming rest. Uh, although we do have to add that Kerr hinted at rest for, what, last weekend, and we only saw Iguodala and Livingston get time off. So what are our thoughts here? Like, I don't know how I feel about this whole rest thing. I think it's going to happen for sure. And they've always talked about home court. So if you have a Warriors guy, you want them, you want to see the Rockets stay hot. You want to see the Clippers win games. You want to see, like, the Spurs obviously do what they're doing. They're only one and a half up on the Spurs, three on the Rockets. So I guess what are your thoughts on the Warriors and the rest is really the story. I think it's somewhat overblown they played i think five weeks last week was it or the the week before but in any case there weren't there wasn't that much rest as you yeah. said there was you know maybe a couple guys got sat out yeah they had four uh, four road games in five nights from that weekend yeah, time when yeah, kerr was talking about resting guys and he didn't do it besides those two guys i said right and i think yeah so i, I just think it's overblown i think that uh with this especially with the spurs kind of hot on their tail for the number one seed in the west um if you see rest, it's probably going to be at the very end of the season, and any non-Roto league worth its salt should have already ended by then. There's no need to be having a, a fantasy league decided in a week of nonsensical lineups yep. uh, at the very end of the season. So, uh, yeah, I think as long as your league ends a week before the end of the actual season, um, it shouldn't be that big of an issue. You might get one DMP from someone, but... It's unknowable, and it's not a big reason to, to like look to trade Steph Curry, for instance. Yeah, like you said, what oh, set the over under on rest at what two and a half games for like yeah. guys like Curry, something like that, Durant. Like like you said, it's way overblown, and I mean they're they just went through what was their toughest stretch. They're not gonna. I don't think they have four road games in five nights again all season. Um, looking at the schedule, the only time. Um, they're really, they have a big road trip on the East coast, uh, starting on February 27th. Uh, they do five games in, uh, like seven or eight days. So they may rest one there, but like, okay, one game, no big deal. So like you said, yeah, don't, don't panic there. Uh, Eddie's asking, uh, a Blake owner, um, what would we do here? Uh, looking for the best ad to help out with the, the Blake loss. Looking at Larry Nance, John Henson, Bismack Biombo, and Alex Len. Any of those guys tickle your fancy? Uh, I'd probably go with Nance or Len for, for roto value at the moment. Um, especially if you're looking rest of season, I'd go with Len, but it sounds like he just wants sort of a, a temporary band-aid with Blake out. 
in which case, yeah, either Nance or Lynn. I'm not huge into Henson, but if you just need blocks, you get them there. But Blake wasn't giving you blocks anyway, so I don't, I don't expect you need to replace those. Uh, Biombo is just straight out of the equation. Yeah, for sure. You hit the nail on the head. I think it's closer with Henson in the mix there. Um, just depends on team fit. I think in a vacuum, I would probably take Henson, I guess, just because the vacuum part of having blocks is huge. Uh, you're talking about a guy with 1.7 blocks, and that can really do some damage. Actually shooting the ball pretty well from the line at 71%, so that's uh, a nice sign to see. A lot of big men are shooting the ball better from the line this year. Uh, I think DeAndre Jordan has a career high in free throw percentage. Uh, obviously, he's still horrible, but I uh, thought that was interesting. Even Adams. It's yeah. Almost 75%. Oh, my God. Yeah. We What about him, man? Are we buying that for like him and Gobert? Like, Gobert's been better from the line. Like, What's up with this big man free throw renaissance? I don't know what to do. <laughs> I guess. Is there some new technique they're teaching him? Virtual reality. There's a lot of virtual reality going <laughs> that's on. That's Maybe true. that's what they're it is. themselves man. and doing the opposite. Yeah. Like, I... Like, big man and virtual reality need to do, like, a commercial. And then, obviously, Dorian Finney-Smith needs to get in, like, a FanDuel commercial. Like, that's, that's like, my goal. Like, if I ever saw, like, a Dorian Finney-Smith <laughs> DFS commercial, like, I would lose it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, we're through with the questions. Um, anything else you want to add? Uh, what do you got cooking this week for the, the Wednesday column? Uh, I have no idea what the numbers yeah. game will be this week. I I always have a bunch of index cards pinned to my little corkboard here, so I, <laughs> nice. I will look through them and see which one strikes my fancy and makes the most sense at this point in the season. Nice. And we had a question from uh, Big D's asking uh, Oladipo's rest of season value. We saw him get hot before the injury. So um, just quickly on Oladipo, what are your thoughts on on him? I, I like him still. I, like if we were drafting today, probably, I probably wouldn't go like second, late second, early third like we were taking him. I'd probably Flip it another round later, like late third, early fourth. Um, I think I'm not really too worried about the wrist issue. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd put him in the forty to fifty range. I think what we saw prior to the injury was a much truer representation of what we'll get than how he started the season. Um, we tend to underemphasize how long it takes guys to adjust to a completely new system, a new coach, new teammates, living in a new city being in new facilities, it's, there's a lot of change, and sometimes it just takes a while to gel. Sure. And I think especially with such a dominant player in the backcourt, like Russell Westbrook, uh, it just took Oladipo to find, find a while to, to get his groove. But uh, he was there before the injury, and it's just a wrist injury, so it's not going to, you know, no lower body thing that should linger for the rest of the season. So I like him in the, yeah, I, I would probably take him top 50 at least at this yeah. point. Yeah, he was he was cold from three actually. He had a really nice run, like the close out November, but then he was twenty one point seven percent from three in his three games prior to the injury. So that I hurt him a little bit, but yeah, you hit, you hit the nail on the head there. Definitely a guy you wanna have. Alright, so we're out of here on that. You guys have a great week. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday with the DFS podcast and thanks a lot for coming on, Ryan. Thanks, Mike. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 
Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.